Hello and welcome back after this two-week holiday hiatus to Shame to Sparkle. I hope everyone stayed safe and healthy during this holiday season. And above all else, I hope if you had friends or family or situations pushing at your boundaries since the holidays seem to do that, that you practice healthy boundaries and ultimately felt peace. I know it can be a tiring time. And today I'm here with an incredible friend of mine, Don Montgomery. We actually met through social media, but I was so inspired to her that I keep reaching out to her. And it's been like a year now of our, our back and forth relationship. Dawn is an incredible human. She wears so many hats. She is a mother, an advocate. Dawn has worked at the White House. She was a presidential classroom scholar. She has traveled the world. She was a model. And above all else, she's a mother of three. Dawn initially worked as a managing editor of the Atlanta Vice newspaper, which is the oldest Black-owned newspaper in Atlanta. And she had since left there to focus on her media career in sports and is a founder, a CEO of Fans Favorite Fan, which is a sports media website. So she can teach me so much. I need to learn. (laughs) And she also works as a mental and maternal health advocate. She has been through so many transitions in her life, and I just think her wisdom is incredible. So I am so happy to have you here to share that with us. Dawn. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I want to just say one thing. The Atlanta Voice newspaper has always been in my heart. I still work with them, but I just had to step out, you know, to kind of focus in on some things that I truly loved and they still give me a platform to use. So I'm very grateful for them. That's a, that's incredible. Any, first of all, you are like a media maven. You do so many, <laughs> but we all have our seasons at certain places. And I love that you, you still have your camaraderie with them. So Tell us, for those of you who don't know Dawn, her story has so many amazing little tidbits of wisdom. Tell us a little about yourself. Well, first and foremost, I'm from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I always lead with that because most people are like, oh, Mississippi is this, Mississippi is that. And I'm like, but I loved growing up in Mississippi. I love where I'm from. I do appreciate the history for what it is, but in these days and times, it's one of those things where it's like, oh my God, I'm so grateful I grew up in that background and to deal with those things early on in my life because I'm able to teach my children how to deal with that now. So that that first and foremost, you have to know I love being from Mississippi. So that's, that's one thing about me. Intolerances that are kind of biased to that specific place and racial injustices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've, I've had to deal with a lot of things growing up. I know one of the biggest things that was very trying to me was that um, my freshman year in high school, in middle school, I had all these issues where it was like, um, you know, you're trying to be the black girl who is like in every club, playing every sport and doing all of these things. And it's just like, well, I mean, I'm interested in all these things. Like, and I mean, if you look at me now, I'm in a handful of things, like consistently. Right. So it's like, I can't help it that I have like this interest in all of these things and I have these skill sets that allow me to flourish in everything that I do. You don't have to make any excuse for the, you know, nothing dictates, especially the skin color. Right. Where your interest in clubs or accolades and you are, right. I, mean, I couldn't even read all of your bio because you have so many, this woman does so much for so many. Right, right. But it, but it was one of those things where I learned early on, I didn't have to, you know, defend that. And it was just a matter of just being myself. And by freshman year in high school, 
I had become a freshman class uh, officer and I ran for freshman class, pre um, I think it was homecoming court made or what have you. And when I ran for that, it was like, oh no, you can't do that, you know? So literally I had to deal with like during homecoming, like I saw there was a cross, a burning cross in my grandmother's yard because I ran for office and I ran for this maid position. And then it was just like, right after I got out the office itself, like I found out who did the, the burning cross and it was my classmates because they were trying to keep me from running for maid. Like, it was like, oh, you can, you can be an officer, you can be in student government, but we won't allow you to be a part of like the parade or homecoming festivities and things like that. And I just found that to be weird. And I had to deal with that going from that particular high school to another high school where by the time my senior year, I ran for homecoming queen. And again, high achiever was always in a lot of things. But at the time, there were like these various rumors about me just because people couldn't figure me out or I wasn't really good friends with the, you know, the clique at the school, you know, and it was very frustrating because the administration blocked me from running for homecoming queen. But I got the last laugh because not only did I have to deal with that at that time, but my sister had to watch me go through that transition and deal with that in life and then to be like, okay, I didn't get this, but I'm graduating and I'm probably one of the few students in my um, graduating class that was able to leave the state to go to college with a full scholarship. So by the time my sister got into her senior year, she ran for homecoming queen and she was the school's first black homecoming queen. So I was able to come back and like celebrate that with her and let her have that moment. But it was definitely one of those things where it was like, ah, you know? <laughs> I mean... This is a space to like normalize discussing trauma. So of course I don't want to rehash your trauma, but mm -hmm. the way you even said that was such finesse, like, yeah, you know, there's a cross on fire in my lawn. That yeah. trauma, you know, like yeah, I tears in my eyes. It was it was it was one of those things where it was very scary. And I think dealing with that and then knowing that the KKK were still like having rallies, I remember doing a project at the school that blocked me from homecoming queen, I remember doing a project with, with some of my classmates and my classmate actually lived next to um, his, his, the acres that they own in his family, they live next to the particular grandmaster of the KKK in that particular area. And the day we were all over there to do the project, it was me and another um, black boy. We were in the group. It was like seven of us and the kid, not knowing how like we were going to react, but he was like, hey, there are a group of people having a rally over on, you know, a couple of acres over. Do you guys want to check it out in my deer stand? And we were like, okay, cool. And in our mind, we're not thinking that it's this happening, right? We get in this guy's deer stand. It's huge. It's amazing. They had like, we drove four wheelers over there. So we're having a good time. And we get in there and we realize that it's the KKK act actively having a rally. And me and the, 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 young, the other boy, we were like, okay, we, we have to go. Because if they know we're over here, like something can happen to us. I mean, it's not only traumatizing. I think even the discussion that you had to witness that is... Mm -hmm is inhumane you know for a child yeah well first and foremost you know when we got back to the kids you know house and his parents asked where we went and they found out what happened they were shocked that he even offered but he didn't know like he truly did not like they didn't want to talk to him about that because it was very sensitive for them to have that discussion but when my mom came to pick me up and i had the discussion with her i waited till we got home 
And she was like, you know, I appreciate you handling that, but as a child, you should never be in that type of position. So it was one of those things where she had a conversation with his mom. It was a learning experience for everyone, but it was something like, I've been in therapy since I was 15. So it's one of those things where, you know, I got through that and could understand like how that put my life in danger, how, you know, just responding to all of that in that moment kind of like came from my responses early on from like child molestation and things like that, where it was like, okay, that happened, but let's move on. You get what I'm saying? So I think you have a very onward and upward personality, which I appreciate because I think a lot of people have these things happen throughout their childhood and, and almost their innocence, like your innocence is at hand and it's being kind of tarnished and A lot of people choose to go left instead of right. And by that, I mean victim mindset, upset. So I I remember when when I went and I followed you, I think maybe a year ago, but I was so inspired by you and I wouldn't have known that you had these traumas. And I know you had reached out and told me a few details of just things you've been through when I shared what I went through. And I love that feeling. I mean, I don't love that anyone has gone through anything horrific. It's not right and it's validated, but I I love women that are so strong but you wouldn't know otherwise and you're one of those women right I appreciate that and it just just being able to connect with you on social media and see how you share you've been sharing your story I'm like one of your biggest fans because I'm like okay yes please keep talking please keep saying these things please keep telling people because you know as therapeutic as it is for us to share these very you know sensitive and like there are tidbits of our lives, like where it's like, oh my God, I went through that and I'm still here. But there are a lot of people who are going through these things right now and really don't know how to deal, don't know how to um, shift that mindset of, okay, let me get the help that I need from me. And then let me find my voice because that's another thing. Your voice is taken from you when you go through these various different things. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard. hard. Also why you, you have been a pillar And there's always a discussion, and I think it's obviously such an important discussion surrounding, you know, these injustices and injustices you've had to face just based off the color of your skin. And you have always been such a light in educating people with your wisdom. And I think that sometimes with, of course, and I'm not going to pretend to say how I would handle something I haven't experienced firsthand, but the way you educate with almost love and Mm -hmm. compassion Mm -hmm. I think it makes me always feel safe to message you and ask you questions or respond and be inquisitive and I really value that in you especially like no child should have to go to their neighbor's house and have their life right on the line right 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 and that was like what 2000 so maybe 20 years ago but and to this day I know that they actively still have rallies in this particular area but I love that you started off with your disclaimer of, I love where I grew up and, oh, I, I, love it. It. and I think, I mean, horrific things are horrific, so I'm not, yeah. taking that, but horrific things can give us a perspective. And I really do believe that you have a perspective that many don't have and many might not have having yeah. so many things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I apologize, but oh, you're good. You're good. I get it. So now you're doing all this advocate health for mental health. And I know you've had so many things happen with your health. And a lot of times my stance on the medical community might be negative from my experiences. <laughs> you had 
the medical community kind of gaslight you and you had to go through a near-death experience. What was your takeaway from that? Now already having living in childhood, feeling fear and... Yeah, it, it was one of those things where it's like the very place where you think you can be safe, which is the hospital system. You're like, why are you challenging me? Why are you telling me that I'm not feeling what I'm feeling? And I worked in the medical field before I went off to um, like basically decide that I was going to model full time and what have you. My mother has been in the medical medical field for like over 30 years. So, you know, it's one of those things where you hear these stories or you know somebody that's going through something and you really don't think that it's going to happen to you. And when it happens to you, it's literally like one of those things where it, it takes your breath away because you're like, okay, why? Why is this happening? Um, so eventually I had to get over that and say, okay, why not? Because here it is, I know I have a voice. I know I can advocate for myself. I know I can challenge these people. I know the rule. I actually know like insurance wise, you have to do X, Y, and Z for me to treat me and take care of me. And, you know, it was just one of those things where <laughs> I had to use my, I had to use my social media pages to get these people to even do something. And yeah, it was it shouldn't cool. be that way. You guys, this is a trauma and you are not the first and certainly not the last. The number one question I get from women is how do I make doctors listen to me? How do I be heard? Why does a woman have to do that? Like, <laughs> like, why? And you're such a strong-willed woman that the fact that you had to go through that, it actually is, it's discouraging. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it was one of those things where in my situation, you know, being pregnant, um, having seizures towards the end of the, the last trimester of the pregnancy, this is my third child. It was literally, I was literally told that whatever I was feeling was, probably mentally in my head and I was like look you you for those of you who don't know if a doctor is ever telling you it's in your head go take an ibuprofen that's gaslighting you it's a sense of get you out of the office because their next paycheck's waiting in the waiting room and it's not right 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 and it was just like okay you can read my chart you know I have a mental illness you know that I've done therapy you know that I'm actively in therapy so why would you tell me that it's mentally in my head? And, you know, I get that majority of my lab work was coming back normal. Like I was doing fine. I would say. Right. But the thing about it is, is, you know, that can be manipulated. That can be, that can be said to different th situations. Like you, maybe you don't know how to treat with what, what I'm dealing with. Maybe I am a special case, you know? So at that time, like I had to have my, a state attorney come in to deal with like redoing my will and my advanced health directive and like the doctors were getting offended by that because they were like Do, are you assuming we're not going to help take care of you or but and it's just like you weren't so I'm making sure that if something happened to me my children would be fine you know but it literally took me going on social media and almost threatening a doctor because of what she said to me and that's what made a hospital administrator, you know, kind of jump in, find out what was going on, do basically this on-site survey in front of two of the OBGYNs from my particular clinic. And after all of this was done, my OBGYN clinic, they fired me as a patient because of everything that had gone, that had transpired. Oh, I've been fired. I've been fired by two OBs. It's so funny. <laughs> and I'm like, you fired me, but you don't realize I wasn't coming back to you anyway. That's number one. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's almost, it's almost like I, I feels, I always compare it to being gaslit in like an abusive or narcissistic relationship, but it's like the guy keeps telling you you're crazy. And then you're like, well, I'm just going to leave. They're like, I'm leaving you. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't take all my power. Like, like, let me make you feel bad for, you know, wanting to be heard and understood. And it, it's just, it's literally like, I was like, oh, wow. So not only did I divorce somebody that was somewhat narcissist, I sat up here and I divorced a hospital, like a, a hospital and a clinic, you know, because I told them, I was like, tie my tubes, cut them off, do what you need to do. Just don't take my uterus because I need to know that I am not going to have any more children because that it was so traumatizing to deal with what I dealt with. And I just could not see myself getting pregnant again and dealing with that. But then it was like, once everything was over, I was like, oh, this is what you, this is what you do to me after the fact, like after all of the trauma, actually health trauma and medical trauma is one of the precursors for the highest rates of suicide for women in our age range now. I think it's 26 to 45 or 50. A lot of women feel the same way. And a lot of women don't have even the voice or the gumption to go on social media. Right. We don't have the, you know, supportive partner, this, you know, the mindset, but I had my friend Jenna on, she's incredible. She's an activist for just everything. She's brilliant. And an endometriosis guru. And she was amazing. Oh yeah. I love her. And Dr. Nick, who I adore. And my question, whenever I have someone on who's been kind of wronged by the health community is what would your advice be to someone who's not being heard by their doctor? And it's usually similar, but I wanted to ask you as well, because I know you were discredited and almost mocked in a way. And I've been there. Yes. I, you know, it, to me, the very first thing I always made sure I did was documentation, documentation, tell them to document everything. If they come into your room or if they come into the in the area where you are and they're not listening to you, they're not running a test or they're not doing certain things that you're asking them to do, please ask them to document that. When you do that, nine times out of 10, they'll walk out of the room and they will probably come back and do it because they know if they document that they didn't do it and there's something wrong with you later on, they can be sued for malpractice. So that's first and foremost. Then in the midst of that, trust me, once you start telling someone, okay, no, I want you to document that somewhere, somewhere inside of you, you're going to get stronger and you're going to get that voice where it's like, okay, no, I know something is wrong with me. I can go to another doctor to find out if this person is willing to see about me and go for a second or third opinion. That was another thing. This wasn't just the only hospital I went to. Yeah. There were three, there were two other hospitals that I had went to. There was one that was near me. And then there was one that was in between the hospital that basically treated me the way that they did and the other hospital. So I had already been to two other places and basically I was treated the same way, except for in those situations, it was a matter of, they made sure I saw specialists. They made sure that I was like, getting certain x-rays, EEGs, or what have you to my brain, and some other things that needed to happen. So by the time I got back to the main hospital, which was where I wanted to give birth for my daughter, it was like, okay, no, this other place did this. You you have to do this now. So it was that their, their medical records. I always get a copy of my medical records, and I, I, walk, I will literally travel with that. Like, <laughs> I'm like, no. I bring a five-inch folder, and they're just like... <laughs> She's back again. Let's. Get 
<laughs> but I'm just like, it's like, you know, you're not going to be able to tell me that I can't do something or that my insurance won't cover it because it's covered it before, or I've met a deductible. You have to do X, Y, and Z. Like, no, like, so document and then speak up and hold people accountable. Even if you have to go to your social media pages, I know a lot of people aren't willing to do that because they don't want people to understand what their health issues are. But between living and dying for me in that situation, if I had not have gone to my social media pages and had the support that I had, I had people calling the hospital. I don't think I would be alive today. I know my daughter would be, but I don't think I would have survived giving birth to her. Yeah. And I think it takes a level of strength and mindset. And it's, it's almost like this vicious circle because when you don't feel well or you're struggling with your health, you're already exhausted. And, and I think there is a level of shame, speaking of shame, in, you know, when our bodies or our health gives out on us. So when the doctors are kind of prolonging that experience, and then you have to go to three doctors, and then you're at home at night, and you already, you want to lay in bed and put on, you know, your trash TV to feel better. I've right. been, and it's like, now you're itemizing a folder of blood labs, which by the way, they make it so hard. They really do. They, <laughs> You know, it's if ridiculous. A to B, they want you to go to A to F to J to K to L. Right, right, right. It's like, <laughs> so, that's a, but that's amazing advice. I mean, I think you're right in a sense where the second you start to speak up, and I've done this too, where I speak up and I almost get too much haste where I'm like, yeah, and then I, I lose it a little. Uh-huh. But the second you use your voice, a little piece of your soul kind of does come yeah. on and you feel like you can use it more. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's it's a it's an empowerment like moment where you literally are like, okay, they listened to me for that moment, or they did what I asked them to do in that moment. Okay, let me continue because you're not gonna sit here and tell me that there's nothing wrong with me. And I and I'm the, I'm I'm in my body. I feel this. I know this. And most of the time, the biggest part of the fight to me, generally in this past situation that I had was the fact that I had been going to that clinic since I had been in Atlanta. So about 2007 to 2019, that's like, what, 12 years? I've seen, I've literally gone to the same clinic. Now, mind you, I probably switched OBGYNs because I had an issue with one doctor, you know? So then I went and found somebody else within the practice and I was okay. But the fact that you guys have seen me this long, seen me through two children, well, getting ready to see me through two children, and you're still questioning me. I've never come in here with any issues. I've never come in here with any blah, blah, you know? And it was just like, yeah, really, and it's like you know what? Patients right until proven wrong. I don't know where this mindset came to be. Doctors, you know, I love doctors. I don't like to generalize any group. So I'm never going to say like all doctors are this way or I don't think it's productive because then you meet the miracle doctor and you're like, oh, you know, there's a chance. Yes, so I, I don't know. know where it came to be where the patient is, you know, lumped in this room as a number and you're kind of led to feel ashamed. And then you have 12 to 15 minutes with a human to convince them of your ailments and you're already emotionally triggered. Who's not triggered when they don't know what's wrong with them? You don't know if you're living or dying and you don't, you need answers. Listen, and then I had a whole human in me. <laughs> one of those things. A beautiful human, by the way. Don daughter her youngest oh my gosh <laughs> where I, I was like if anything happens to this baby I'm coming for y'all like I am like because well, do you like, think that that's also I always use this advice sorry to interrupt you but he was saying that do you think that that's what made you advocate for yourself a little harder because I always oh, tell women 
like fight for yourself like it's your five-year-old child because you know if someone's punching your child in the face you're gonna go raise hell right mama comes out but it's like with us as women we're like oh I deserved it, you know. Right, right, right. Why don't we fight for ourselves? I feel like because we fight for everyone else, but by the time it's 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 our turn to fight for ourselves, we're looking to see who's going to jump up first for us. And when no one else does it, it's like, oh damn, I've got to do this myself. And I'm all like you said earlier, you're already tired because you've been to battle for everybody else throughout the day, and now it's on you. But I know for me, it was like. I decided, like, I got pregnant with my daughter while me and my husband were still married. We got divorced a month before I found out I was pregnant with her. And in that moment, I had to make a decision whether or not I was going to keep her based off of the fact that I was no longer with this man. I already had a nine-year-old with him. But did I want to bring a child into this world to where I'm still connected to him or we're having to co-parent and raise a child together? What would that look like? And so in that moment when I'm in there and they're doing the ultrasound because I'm so far along that I didn't even realize I was pregnant, okay? They were like, oh, wow, you're going to have twins. What? I said, so so is it possible y'all can keep one? Like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do twins. Like, what are you talking about? And, you know, the nurse laughed and I was so serious because I was like, no, there's no way. And she's like, no, you're pregnant with twins and they're both, I can tell they're both girls. And I was like, early on, they could tell that. And then she told me the day of conception and blumped down to the minute. And mind you, I know what I was doing at that day and time. <laughs> So it was just so weird, but I had to make a choice right then and there where it was like, okay, for me and this baby, before all of the trauma happened, both of these babies at the time, I was like, oh, okay, you know what, God, if this is it, I'll, I'll do it, you know? And it was literally, you know, watch what you say, watch, watch how you say it, because months later, I lost one of the babies, one of the, one of the twins vanished, and, that, and it's a thing, it's called vanishing twin. And my daughter, Grace, survived. The other baby, her name would have been Faith. They were going to be Faith and Grace. And so um, Grace survived. And then right after I got through that, it was literally like downhill from there because it was almost like, okay, my body was just acting up and I'm like this vessel holding this baby in here. And I'm telling these people like, listen, if you have to take her out to take care of me, because that was the biggest thing where it was like, well, we really yeah, can't you don't do wanna, You don't want to lose your, did, did you also feel a level of maybe not guilt, but almost like you had spoken this into existence. And of course it was what you initially wanted, but then you, you know, it's, it's a trauma. That's a trauma. There's another trauma that you're taking on. Yes. I was so hurt because I was like, oh my God. Like, did I do this? Did I say this? And then it was a matter of, no, I was actually honest. I don't think I could have taken care of twins after all of that. If I had to go through all of that and I would have had twins, something would have happened to me. I already know. So um, I feel like God knew, you know, okay, this is going to be too much on her. Let me just take one, you know, or let me, you know, let her see what she was going to go through because he still allows us to go through things. And it's a matter of like, how are you going to navigate that journey that is set for you? And then how do you show people that you overcome? Because I I feel like it's our duty. That's what a testimony is. You're supposed to talk about it. You're supposed to 
um, tell people how you got through it. You don't keep that to yourself because you're not helping people when you. Yeah, you're robbing that. people of wisdom. It's not. So, being, I so say there was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of shame. There was a lot of because it was a matter also. Here it is. I'm divorced. I don't have you know a male figure that's in here advocating for me that should be you know, and I'm having to do it. So that was another th aspect of it where it was like, okay, don't have the ring or the husband, because I also feel like a lot of times in the medical field, and this could just be me, because I've been a single mother before I got married, and then I'm a single mother again. But when I was married, if I had any issues, and people saw a ring finger on my finger, they jumped, or they did whatever they need to do. Or if my husband happened to be sitting in the waiting room, and I call him back, oh, everybody's tone would change. But because I was by myself or because I was, you know, are you married? No, I'm not. You know, I'm divorced. Oh, well, whatever. You know, it's literally kind of brushed off. But, you know, that, that's been my situation in the various medical issues that I've had. And it's, and it's not fair. It's not fair at all. It doesn't matter, you know, whether somebody is the color that they are or their background is what it is or if they have insurance or not or if they're married or not, you know, what have you, you need to treat us all equally and understand that if we're telling you we're in pain, we're not telling you that for the hell of it. And I think that there's a huge discussion and there's a huge movement. Obviously right now we can't take any more on our plates as a whole surrounding the medical community, because I, I know that it's very taboo to speak out against doctors and you know, vaccines and medication. And, and I'm here for the, you know, I'm here for things that work, but there needs to be an overcall. Like medical air is the third leading cause of death to our nation. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that every doctor is a dumbo. Doctors are brilliant. They go to school for 10 years, but they are still human and humans make mistakes and humans are flawed. We were created with flaws and, you know, it shouldn't be. And it also shouldn't be where for instance, I have endometriosis. It took me years to get diagnosed to the point where I lost my fertility, begging them to diagnose me. And I know it takes double the time to be diagnosed if you are Hispanic, if you are black, if you are, well, actually, if you're Asian, you're actually more likely to get diagnosed. I don't exactly know why. I think it's easier to diagnose for some reason. I don't actually know the logistics, so, so I apologize. But it's crazy that people are having to beg to be diagnosed and that you know, you're being thrown prescriptions. After I was kidnapped, I was thrown like 10 prescriptions. I could have simply overdosed and died with where my mental stability was at. Yeah. You know, and same with you, you're begging to be heard. And I don't know, I don't know how to do it. And I don't have the mental capacity right now, certainly, but there needs to be an overhaul with these people. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just, I think it's one of those where, they also need people training. Like they have the medical background, they have the science down, but they don't know how to deal with people. Yeah. And that's very unfortunate because most people who are wanting to be doctors and nurses or in the medical field, they're doing it because they want to help people. But how are you going to help people? You don't give a shit about whether or not they're telling you what's going on with them or not. You, you get what I'm saying? It's like, help me understand. Like, I'm not going to school for 10, 20 years to get some, you know, certification you know, or degree. You know, you don't want a pill. You don't want a colonoscopy. You want to know why my brain is doing this. And then, hey, if it's out of your control, and you're, you know, your head's going to spin around back. Well, yeah, give me the pill. Once yeah. we, but, you know, with, you want to know why. And I think we're all seeking the why in our lives. And that's okay. We shouldn't be kind of gaslit or frowned upon for wanting to know these things or having a folder, 
you know, my favorites, I always print out the WebMD thing and they're like, oh my gosh, you think you're a doll. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I do think I'm an expert because if I've researched my, I know my own body, I live in it. Yes. <laughs> I'm quick to Google. I'm quick to Google and I'm quick to go down a rabbit hole of reading into symptoms and things like that and what it could possibly be so that by the time I'm in your office, we're having a discussion. Like, you're not going to just look at me and be like, oh, I think it's this. Well, no, wait a minute. Um, let me pull out my notes. Do you, could it possibly be this because of this and this and this? You know, it's like you should want patients to come in and know themselves. And that's another thing about dealing with shame and trauma. When you know yourself, when you know who you are, when you know your body like that, a lot of there's nothing that a lot of people can do to you. You know, there's not a there's not like yeah, life happens. You know, I think I had in a post where I've gone through so much and I was able to control my how I tell my story. I was able to control my voice, but I've never been in control of what has happened to me. And that's okay. But if you have clients or you have patients who come to you and they're telling you, listen, this is my medical history. This is what I looked up. This is what I've been researching. I didn't get this from this doctor. What can you possibly do for me today? Do, do somebody a favor if you don't want to take the time and, and deal with them. And just go ahead and say, you can't do anything. Okay? And find me somebody who will. Because you're giving me a no and somebody's going to give me a yes. I appreciate the honesty. I always say going to meet doctors is like dating. It should never be your first date. Don't marry your first date, you guys. You got to date around. I'm the person, and it should be a partnership, you know? Right. Yes, yes, yes. I'm with a guy who's like, you would, and I would appreciate the honesty, too. If you went out with a guy and he's like, listen, I'm going to I'm gonna completely ghost you in six months, and right. you're hanging. I'd rather have him say it first time, hey. Right, right. <laughs> like, give me, the, give me the option to decide whether or not that's going to be worth it, based on whatever this dating experience is. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Oh my gosh, I have so many questions for you, but I'm running out of time. I feel like I could talk to you all day. Um, just surrounding, you know, the shame you've been through. I, I don't even think I can get through it all, but going through this medical trauma, going through this childhood trauma, going through this racial injustice trauma, this, you've been through divorce. I always write in bold on my notes, divorce is a trauma. People don't even comprehend how traumatic divorce is on our psyche it's trauma. And, you know, being a single mom, being, having been a model, having gone through these health things, how do you cope with the shame that I'm sure you've had to deal through to even be standing? And is there any type of lesson you can give people? I know this is such a loaded question, so you can any kind of wisdom that you can share surrounding just how you deal with that shame. If, if so, if you have to some days. The biggest thing for me would be knowing what my faith is what I believe in, who I believe in, that's important to me. Go, starting from there, me also knowing that whoever that higher power is and whoever that higher being is made sure that there were, there was somebody on this earth that would help me talk through these moments. Um, and that's a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist. So I'm real big about therapy. I talk about this. I've been talking about this since I've been on social media. I've helped a lot of people find themselves some form of therapy, whatever it looks like, whether it's light therapy, art therapy, music therapy, just, you know, psychotherapy or what have you, whatever you need, I've been able to, you know, just guide people in a direction as a resource. Um, but as for as far as wisdom, I would just say, you know, the older I get, 
the easier it is for me to be like, no one, like, you can't shame me. You know, I've been through hell and back, literally a few times in my life. And it's one of those things where, you know, (laughs) the thing where I mentioned the rumors in high school, those kids found out that basically my classmates, I'm talking about those kids, but we were all kids at the time, found out that I was, you know, sexually active. Now, mind you, I'm like this Southern girl who lives in the country. And honestly, if you're not playing sports, if you're not drinking beer underage per se, you're having sex. So a rumor got out because I was dating a star athlete or what have you. Rumor got out that I had slept with someone else or what have you, but me and the star athlete had just broken up. So it was just like, okay, whatever. You're You're single girl. (laughs) Right. Right. So it didn't matter to me, but I remember this to this day. and, and, And it's one of the biggest things that I have ever probably really experienced that should have broken me just because of all of the shame most of the young women that were around me like my peers my classmates and even the teachers like the teachers were in on it like the administration like there was a assistant principal who she was so cool with the kids and she knew everything about everything that was going on and it was had one of those and why why are the teachers high-fiving the guys when they have six girlfriends they literally the one of the teachers went up to the young man and she like oh you know that was a catch you know a lot of people can't date her she doesn't i didn't date kids that i went to school with and this was part of the reason why you know um but this particular player like we connected so it is what it is so um but yeah the guy you know who i supposedly had cheated with or whatever got praised for it but then for me i was a hoe i was a slut I had an STD or I had blah, blah, blah. And it was because I went and got tested. It was because I went and got tested because something wasn't going, something was weird going on down there in the vagina area. And I told my mom, I was like, listen, I have a new sexual partner and I need to go get tested. And my mom listened. Because you did what's responsible. You were punished. So when I felt like something was wrong, I told him, I'll say, I said, okay, so this is what came back. It's nothing serious. It's, it can be treated or what have you. And I told him and he went and told everybody, oh my God, she has blah, blah, blah. She has blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, no, like that's what happens when you're dealing with someone who actually doesn't take care of themselves. Cause I didn't have this issue before I was dating, before I dealt with him or whatever. And now I do. So you should like, I was walking around like, why aren't y'all mad with him? Because he, whatever it was, he gave it to me. It's idol thing, you know, men and women. And I'm not like a crazy, I think that women have so many blessings. And I think women are different than men. And we have different roles than men. So I never try and really hype it up that, that men are the enemy because men are wonderful. But when men get away with certain things and women don't, it so sets us back, especially when women are the ones instigating the gossip. You know, okay. if a guy goes out and sleeps with someone, they, they're getting high-fived. And if a woman does it and girls are whispering about you, it really brings us down as a gym, yeah. as a, you know, as a group of women. We shall be empowering each other. Mm-hmm. And to me, in that moment, it was, that's, I think that's when my wisdom kind of struck in because it was like, you know, how are you going to talk to yourself through this? Because I got like basically outcasted, basically literally blackballed from any and everything that I wanted to do at that time. And I'm sure that I didn't. Because of my sexual, you know, activities or what have you. But the fact of the matter was at that time when I dealt with that, it was hold your head up 
and you keep keep using your voice. Don't be quiet. Don't hide. I've never hidden from anything that I've gone through. I've never been quiet about anything that I've gone through. I mean, my father molested me as a child. And I still talk about, I talk about that when I need to, when people ask me about it. And his side of the family, they're so grateful that I spoke about it because they their family has a history of molestation and abuse in their family. So and what you're doing is breaking the cycle and, and I was permitting other people. You're permitting other people. And that's, you know, that's your blessing. Yeah. Not that that happened, obviously, but yeah. it's a blessing that you have the strength to use your voice. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've learned a lot from just that, that key thing that could have been it. Um, and then it was a matter of the older I get and the more things I've gone through, like I was homeless after Hurricane Katrina and I had just had a baby boy, my first, my oldest boy. And it's just like, you know, getting through that and really kind of being, okay, what are we going to do? How am I going to get our lives back on track? To, so that I can take care of this child, you know, and then move into making a decision to take everything that I had and move into Atlanta and going finishing school after it took me nine years to finish, you know, my bachelor's degree. Like you keep going, you keep your head up. You well, both I think the biggest that. thing that I've learned from you and that I appreciate and value is I've said this again, trauma doesn't keep the score. And I think as women, once something bad happens and we, especially if we discuss it, you know, if you were a product of molestation, once you discuss it, it's like, that's one. And then, you know, you had to go through this and this bullying and, oh, that's two. And then you had a, a Hurricane Katrina three. Okay. And then, you know, you had a medical trauma and then, you, you know, trauma doesn't keep the score and bad things, unfortunately, will keep happening. And it does have to become, as you said, your testimony. And it can. And, you know, even with all these bad things, you bring so much wisdom and joy to other women, especially I'll say to other people. And I don't think a lot of people have that level of gumption. Mm -hmm. very, it's so enlightening. Mm -hmm. well, I'm grateful. I come from some amazing women, my grandmother, my mom, and my aunt, like they have always been basically my saving grace because it took my grandmother, she was a preacher, she always listened to me, she always heard me out, no matter how weird some of my questions would be, or how out of like pocket I would be in telling her certain things that I was doing at the time, you know, and my mom is, she's just, she's always been a huge, like, advocate for all of us as children, and just, you know, I've seen her go from single mom to or married single mom to married again and then single mom again you know like she's just she's kept it she's kept it moving and I mean in keeping it moving that's fine but for a lot of people that do keep it moving and don't deal with what's happened you know that continues a cycle that that continues certain things that happen to your children or the generations behind you so I know for me it's just very important that as I'm keeping score I'm also making sure that on the other side I'm I'm remembering all of my wins i'm remembering all of the yeah. time that you know when i did do certain things for myself this was the end result from that well, you know you always maintain something i i really enjoy which is no matter what you come from a place of gratitude yes very grateful and i think that's very huge. grateful i have to find i feel like i feel like there needs to be another word for thankful and grateful because i just i don't feel like it's enough <laughs> Like from where I, from, no, from, and you know, I think that's a huge lesson. A lot of people don't want to live in gratitude. A lot of people don't want to be accountable every night. You know what I've been practicing with my husband every night. There's a meal on our table. It's such a dumb thing when you have it, but my husband's been homeless before 
and I think he knows what it's like not to have it. And my dad grew up homeless and out of shelters. And I just look at the meal every night now and I'm like, I am so grateful for this hot meal. And so many people don't have that. And I think when we don't have that mindset, we forget. So right. those little things pile up and, you know, suddenly we're not enough. You're not enough. Shame, anger, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. And it's, if you, if you are making sure that you're coming from a place of knowing, you know, okay, this happened to me. I'm not going to continue to ask why I'm just going to ask why not, you know, and it's why not me? Why not? Why, why not this moment in time in my life? And the biggest thing that I got from dealing with the recent medical trauma and dealing with my pregnancy and the possibility of epilepsy at the time and things like that was that there were so many other Black women who have not been heard because of their medical issues and things that they've gone through in pregnancies. And there were so many Black women who had passed away and have died in giving birth. God made sure that there was one or one in the few that was still here, still able to tell you what she's gone through and still giving someone else hope. Like, no, don't say you're not gonna have children because you don't know whether or not you're gonna make it through it. Just be hopeful that you're finding the medical people that will allow you to advocate for yourself and or they will advocate for you because there are certain situations where there are black women who have certain doctors and specialists who have advocated for them and they survive. You know, so, uh, you know, to me, it's just, why not me? Um, why not this moment? Why not this time? And I'm looking at it from a different aspect of, okay, I get it. This needed to be me, or this needed to be the time that I needed to deal with this because clearly, clearly I had other plans after I got divorced and was going to be like, this is the time I'm doing me. This is the time I'm going to do this. But maybe this, in a way, this was you doing you, you know, yeah. it all leads us back. Yes. And it was it and, and a new me emerged. You know, it was like removing that shell. We go through so many different transformations, you know, it's just like a butterfly. Yeah, yes. So it's you know, and it's okay. And I think that's that's another thing that a lot of people don't understand. You know, in life, you you either embrace change or change is just gonna continue happening to you regardless, whether you like it or not. So if you embrace it and if you're grateful for it, if you're thankful for it it's a lot easier to get through. Trust me, I know people probably have gone through worse than the both of us, per se. Oh, totally. They don't see it. They don't see it, but it's like, keep living. Um, one thing my grandmother used to keep telling me was anytime I felt bad about something that had happened to me or I got disciplined, you know, because of talking too much in class or something like that, and it was a matter of, she would say to me immediately, you know what, just keep living. Just keep living. Because when you, when you keep living, you're going to realize that if you don't take control over what you can control, everything else around you is going to be a mess regardless. But if you can't control you and your actions and your reactions, then you're going to be a mess in the midst of the mess. So it was literally like, just keep living, just keep living. And I always hear that. I hear that from her in certain oh, I situations. Love it. I love right? it. And, and it's just like, it's just keep, keep going. Just keep, keep going because Today's hard. Tomorrow could be worse. But three or four days later on, oh my God, wow, I got through that. Oh, I'm the shit. Okay, I'm good. Let me keep going. <laughs> you know, because it's like when you have that moment where you're like, damn, look at what I got through. I am. I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. I did that. So now keep going. Keep living. 
because some something's gonna happen. Some like you said earlier, something's gonna happen regardless. But it's it's literally how do you look at it? How do you process that? And being being that moment of feeling. I was so grateful that when the pandemic started, I was looking around looking at people crazy because I was like, I already was working from home or wherever I wanted to because yeah. I basically well, I, if you've had medical trauma, you certainly know what it's like to prioritize yourself. Right. And then, and then having had grace in 2019, we were already pre-quarantined before quarantine started because we weren't going anywhere. We weren't doing anything besides just seeing doctors. So it was, it was one of those moments where it's like, okay, that prepared me for what was to come so that I wouldn't feel bad about having to be at home or I wouldn't feel bad about having to figure out. Your perspective gave you that strength and stability because I know in right. the beginning of that you were a huge voice of wisdom for me because I was going a little crazy and I you know stability right right but I mean you know that's the that's the beauty of that I find in social media I'm not on it as much as I used to be per se because I used to when I first got on I you found me every day every hour but now it's like you know for my mental health because of everything happening right now I'm taking breaks you know or I peep in for a moment check on my favorite people and then I check right back out and that's the way to do it I always say if you're not following people that inspire you and you feel sad log off reevaluate follow but the person you guys all should be following is Miss Dawn (laughs) thank you you. I really appreciate you so much (laughs) I'm totally over time I'm sorry you guys I could talk to you all day Please, if you can, if you wish to, check out Dawn. Her social media is underscore Dawn Montgomery. I, of course, have it in the show notes. I think there's just so much beauty in conversation and connection. And I am so, I need a better word for thankful or grateful now, too. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to we go. We got to figure that out. We got to make it. We got to make it. <laughs> I need to go back to, to Latin and learn more. But I'm so thankful for you and your time and just the knowledge you're continuously sharing with the people around you. And yeah, I'm very honored that you you decided to listen to whatever it was that told you to create this space and this platform because a lot of people will say, you know, well, somebody else has this podcast or somebody else has this. No, like you are only you. And I feel like what you're doing right now is so needed and it's going to help so many people. And I am just blessed that I have been able to cross paths with you. And I'm very grateful for you. Well, I feel the same about you. And I'm thankful for you saying that because sometimes you get the negatives. But I am so thankful for your time, Dawn. And as always, please, you guys, share your experiences. Nobody sharing their truths take away from the space for you to share yours. Please, please, please connect with someone. Explain something you've been through with someone and just connect and empathize. And as always, thank you for listening to Shame to Sparkle. Thank you.